we stop abuse of children and family violence. Family Resource Center of St. Louis has been working on prevention and treatment for all forms of child abuse and neglect for 42 years. Join us today as we learn how they're giving kids and their families a chance for a safe and better life through prevention and treatment of child abuse, neglect, and family violence. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. My guest today is Greg Eschel. He is the chief executive officer of Family Resource Center, a St. Louis-based nonprofit agency that specializes in the treatment and prevention of child abuse and family violence. He's a frequent speaker on child abuse and an adjunct professor at Brown School at Washington University. Thanks, Greg, for being my guest today on Family Shield. My pleasure, Kay. So uh, why should we address the topic of abuse of children and family violence? Can you share some statistics related to this topic? Sure. Uh, I think uh, there's been a real focused attempt to help abuse and neglected kids in this country for 45 years. And um, I guess at this moment, as we speak, about 3,500,000 phone calls are made in this country every year um, on behalf of children who people are worried about, doctors, uh, school teachers, grandparents, and so forth. And if you take that same number and kind of apply it to the state of Missouri, last year 102,000 children uh, were called into the Missouri Child Abuse Hotline. You carry it further down to the area that we work in, uh, that Family Resource Center works in, the metropolitan St. Louis area, about 24,000 kids um, uh, every single year. That's why we should do something about it. Absolutely. And the stories, yeah. uh, as I was reviewing some of the things that I've learned about your agencies, are so heart-wrenching to hear. They are heart-wrenching, but they also are filled with hope because we bring really good things that didn't exist 50 years ago. Absolutely. That's yeah. so true. So tell us uh, the mission of Family Resource Center, kind of an overview Yeah, I guess if you make it really, really simple, it's to help abused and neglected kids have a better life. And we do that in a lot of ways. We do that uh, through education of parents. Some parents grow up in a violent home, and that's what they call child-rearing. Well, we can interrupt that. Uh, You can even see a parent who will just break down and cry when you give them you know, new tools that they never even thought they could use to not do that kind of physical violence against kids. Um, We have engaged the academic community very deeply to identify the very best uh, uh, trauma-informed services that kids can benefit from and parents can benefit from. And so a few years ago, we worked with the academic folks at Washington University and we identified seven special evidence-based practices that we use to stop abuse and neglect from happening. And when we do that, uh, we add a lot to the whole prevention uh, situation. So prevention and treatment go hand-in-hand, as does parent education. Right, right. I was thinking on the way over here, my dad actually uh, was raised in an abusive home, left home when he was 16. Mm -hmm. Didn't seem to have probably... Some of these, I sure I read so many of your stories, didn't seem to have a lot of problems with it, but maybe it wasn't as bad as some. Uh, share just a story uh, of someone that you've served to kind of give our 
listeners a understanding yeah. of what you do. And sure. You do. Most abuse happens to younger children, so in the in the age range of three to eight, because they're pretty pretty vulnerable. And so we had a little child that came to our attention. His name was Cassie. She was four years old. Uh, she was living in a household with an absolutely violent father who uh, really had problems with drugs and alcohol and uh, would lose his job and become angry. And sometimes kids in that age with those kinds of violent folks around who struggle with potty training kinds of problems, the adult loses patience and he would just physically hurt this little kid over and over and over to the point where the family court judge just removed this child from the home for safety reasons. Uh, And so when we ran into little Cassie, uh, she came into our foster care program and we connected her up with a foster mother. But she was four and this was a strange family and so she was frightened. Mm -hmm. She had lost trust in adults completely as you might suspect and so she wouldn't speak Uh, She wouldn't make eye contact. She would just sleep all the time. So the sleep for this little four-year-old was a protection and a way of staying out of the way of these violent people. And so we started an evidence-based practice called parent-child interaction therapy. And we taught this foster mother how to engage this little girl and to bring her out from her shell, her cocoon, and in the uh, space of two or three weeks, uh, the little girl was talking and sitting on foster mother's lap, and trust had been reestablished. Now, that allowed us then to apply a very special trauma-type therapy to the four-year-old um, so that we had really two kinds of services going on, one aimed at the foster mother and one aimed at the child. And I guess the really good news is that The little girl overcame all of the obvious problems, and the foster parents adopted her Mm. in November of last year. So it was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That that reminds me. I was in my – my sister is a preschool kindergarten teacher some years ago, and I went in to visit and touched a child during playtime, and he went ballistic. Right. And I – she told me afterwards he had been abused and wouldn't allow anyone to touch him. I had never been in a situation like that before. Right. It was, again, so heart-wrenching. Thank you for that story that not only, as you said, shares the difficulties that children go through, but that there is hope for them. And great uh, story that she Absolutely, was uh, adopted there is, by. Absolutely, there is hope. Yeah. And the more we know... And the more we discover what works and what doesn't work with traumatized kids. And so we're constantly getting better and better and better and better at doing this kind of work. That's great. Well, explain to our listeners what methods you use, uh, several different methods. You touched on a couple of them, but just uh, I think you have four that you use and maybe explain what sure. what prevention is. Uh, you know, we can go through the, the four just because a lot of our listeners really aren't going to understand at all child abuse. Maybe maybe they have a child that is abused in their realm, but they don't know it. And uh, yeah. yeah, let me start with education. I think we started the agency 42 years ago And we aimed the first work at uh, preschool children. And why did we do that? Because we felt if we could interrupt the cycle of abuse at that early age, then these kids would have a chance to grow up as self-sufficient adults. 
and so we serve about 150 kids and parents a year in our very special preschool program. And typically what happens is a child comes to our attention who is really violent and who gets kicked out of a normal daycare setting or a kindergarten setting because they're constantly disrupting the classroom. And so we, we aim at a special education curriculum that was developed by Dr. Perry uh, that we deploy in the uh, education of these young kids. And in addition to that, we provide special therapy for traumatized kids. And we hook those two things together. So you've got the education component and the therapy component. And so now what you have is you begin to turn these kids around. The really good news is that when these kids stay with us anywhere from a year to a year and a half, uh, 90% of them can be reintroduced back into the normal school setting or a normal daycare center. Wow. 10% just can't make it. They're too, too, too badly damaged. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the, that the children are often violent. Uh, and as you've shared a couple stories, I think a lot of times teachers and parents need to be aware of some of the traits of children that are being abused. I used to be a teacher. And, and I think a lot of times people, maybe teachers, haven't been educated enough to know that that might be a sign. Not always, but might be a sign, right? Yeah. Uh, so when you think about it, what stresses us as human beings, whenever we're stressed, whether we're kids or adults, we either run from it or we fight. And what we find oftentimes is the children, 80% of the kids will fight, 20% of the kids will withdraw and curl up in a little ball. And so when you see either one of those kinds of behaviors in a very young child, there's probably something going on there that needs some special attention. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, other, you, we, we started on some of the methods that you use, other methods. Yeah, one of the things we've tried to do in the past five years is develop a brand new program that's aimed at breaking the cycle of abuse that happens between generations. And so we have run into families where three and four generations of parents uh, have had their kids uh, taken from them by the family court for violence. And so the question becomes, how can we engage those families? Well, what we know from research is there are about 13 different stress factors that contribute to uh, these kinds of problems. And they get learned and passed from one generation to another. So if we can break that, then we can reduce the number of stress factors from 13 down to 8, down to 4 and 5. Then theoretically, we can stop it from going from one generation to another. And so we have a really cool program called Path Builders. And what underscores Path Builders is the sure knowledge that it doesn't matter how good your therapy interventions with children are if there's enormous stress in the family because they've been kicked out of their house or their car broke down and the parents can't get to work. Uh, So the food, clothing, shelter kinds of things are so critical so our Path Builders program really aims at addressing those things first. Mm. And so we have about 50 families that we're now serving. We serve them from 18 months to two years. And the goal is to get the food, clothing, shelter stuff stable. And then when we do that, we can engage both the children and the parents in education and psychotherapy to start really breaking the, the uh, cycle of child abuse and neglect. 
and it works. I, I, I would not? guess it would because how many times I've heard parents say, this is what I learned from my parents. Yes. And that's what I'm going to do with my children until they learn some other strategies for dealing with discipline. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, parent-child interaction therapy, if any of your listeners want to look that up uh, on Google. It's an interesting program because it teaches parents um, how to interact with kids in an entirely different way. And so it breaks all of those old methods that they use in their head and gives them some brand new tools. And right in front of their eyes, they can see a child who used to misbehave now begin to behave. It's pretty magical. It is. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, Now, uh, let's just talk about some of your programs. We've already touched on a few, but we, uh, you talked a little bit about some of the children's services, the therapeutic preschool. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, the preschool is designed really to um, work with the youngest children that come to our attention in hopes that they can get a good head start in school. If they don't, I mean, we talk in this culture a lot about um, a child being a high school dropout. Mm-hmm. But what if you're so damaged that you're a kindergarten dropout. What if by the time you hit kindergarten, you can't learn enough in school uh, to take care of yourself as a grown-up? Um, that's what our preschool attempts to do. Wow. We're going to learn more about some of the other services that Family Resource Center uses to serve children and families, but I do have just a few announcements I want to make. Lutheran Federal Credit Union is an exceptional provider of financial solutions and products to members of Lutheran Church Missouri Senate congregations and affiliated ministries. Why become a member? As a member, you have banking and lending solutions designed with you, your family, our organization in mind. Services include checking and savings accounts, mortgage or refinance loans, chip credit, debit cards, mobile banking, and mobile deposits. Learn how they can serve your banking needs at LutheranFederalCreditUnion.org. Lutheran Federal Credit Union is a Family Shield partner. This quarter's sponsorship underwrites the Family Shield Response Center. Today, Family Shield is featuring Family Resource Center and is giving away the complimentary booklet, Overcoming a Painful Childhood. To receive the booklet, call our Response Center at one 877 2508416 or email us at witness to family at gmail.com. Don't forget to give your complete name and address. Family Shield programs can also be heard through the archive page at www.familyshieldministries.com. You can also connect with us through Facebook. You can send prayer requests, program topic suggestions, or a financial gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 23. 0015 St. Louis, Missouri 63123. Now I want to go back to my guest, Greg Eschel, who is the CEO of Family Resource Center. And uh, I want to give their website. If you want to learn more, you can go to www.frcmo.org. And again, Family Resource Center. Um, Thank you so much for uh, all of the information you've been sharing, Greg. It's important that people understand child abuse and resources that can help them and those that are going 
you know, having this issue, um, I would guess that's one of the challenges is that people have these problems, but they don't always know where to go to get help. Often they don't. And I, one of the things that's really happened to us over the years is parents have begun to call us directly instead of being referred by the courts or the child welfare system. And that's really a positive thing. One of the things we have really tried to specialize in is uh, we have create, we created about 15 years ago a foster care program. And so in the country, uh, in the United States, there are about 450,000 children that live in foster homes because they can't be safely with their parents. You translate that uh, to the state of Missouri, about 13,000 children are living in foster homes. And in our case, about 630 kids are in our foster care program in the St. Louis region. And one of the really neat things that we're able to do is that uh, for about 200 of these children of the 630 each year, we're able to uh, get permanent homes for these kids so they don't have to go back into the violent environment that they came from. That is amazing. I had no idea it was that many. Yeah. Um, but it, it's great to hear that uh, you're helping them find secure forever homes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's really a, a wonderful kind of work to be doing. Well, tell us a, a, a story about someone else that's in the foster care program at your agency or yeah. have gone through it, maybe a success story. I think we have a we have a story about a woman named Anna who's 35, and she grew up in a foster home herself. Uh, and she got bounced around uh, from family to foster family to foster family and altogether lived in six different foster homes before she became uh, 18, um, and got pregnant, uh, had a baby, uh, needed to kind of find her own roots, reconnected with her own, her own family, but had lots of struggles. And, uh, she was trying to be a good mom. She found a house place to live. And it turns out the neighborhood she went to was really quite violent. And lo and behold, a neighbor person um, sexually abused her 12-year-old daughter. Oh, no. And it just destroyed her. She was working hard to try to really put a foundation onto this family. And so we we pulled Anna into our Path Builders program that I mentioned uh-huh. a moment ago. And we thought, well, what does Anna really need? So we asked her. And what we found out was that she needed employment. So we hooked her up with one of our partners, and she got a job. She needed to know more about financial literacy so she could manage her money. She'd not done that before. Mm-hmm. And so we found a training program for that. She wasn't getting child support from the child's father. And so we got her some legal services, and that happened. Uh, she took parenting education classes from us so she could break that cycle of violence and learn how to raise her kids in a nonviolent fashion. And in the space of about 18 months, she absolutely transformed everything. The little 12-year-old girl got therapy from us for the uh, sexual abuse that she had. Um, Anna got a job. She got health care. And right now she's uh, working on finding a completely different, safer neighborhood to take her her kids. So self-sufficiency is very close. And Anna didn't have anything like that when she came to us 18 months ago. And so Anna is going to break that cycle of abuse and neglect that we've seen repeatedly in our history. 
Well, that's wonderful. Thank you for all that you're doing you're to welcome. serve so many individuals and their families. Well, you mentioned that Anna uh, got pregnant, and I noticed that you also have a teen parenting program. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, one of the struggles. I think uh, when when kids are in middle school, they start learning about the birds and the bees, so to speak. And uh, for some young people, um, becoming sexually active is something they do at that point in time. And for some young girls, um, having a baby is the most important thing in their life because they don't have much in terms of skills or family background. But if they have a little baby to care for, they think it's going to be a fulfilling thing and give them a better life. Well, it doesn't. They just become now obligated as a very, very young person to take care of a baby. Uh, and so we have a special teen program that once these girls become pregnant, uh, we work with them closely so that they stay in school. They've got to get that high school diploma or that GED. Otherwise, almost all is lost. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the real benefits is that um, for 95% of the girls that come into this program, they do not have a second pregnancy while they're working with us. And almost all of them get job training and some kind of employment opportunity offered to them. Again, we go back to that self-sufficiency people. Mm -hmm. And each of these girls has a personal mentor that works with them uh, every single week and connects with them, helps them get to the doctor for the baby visits, gets food, clothes, and shelter, the diapers, the baby clothes, all that sort of support stuff that you would hope you would have out of your own natural family, but these girls don't have. That's great. As you were talking about that, I think the teenagers think that those babies are going to love them because that's what they want. They want love. They just don't always realize how much work a tiny baby is totally dependent on them, and they're not always ready for that. You're absolutely right. It's the love that they seek. And oftentimes their own childhood was very, very sad. Mm And somehow they think taking care of a little baby will give them what they are missing. But that doesn't work that way, does it? Not It really doesn't. It really doesn't. You also have for you under youth services a drug uh, mentoring program. In today's world, there's so many more uh, people on drugs. Tell us what you do with that. Yeah, again, it goes back to young people, uh, not both girls and boys. Uh, so if they get um, come to the attention of the family court for Uh, drug abuse, the judge can do one of two things. The judge can give that young person a sentence or some sort of treatment or a mentoring experience. Mm -hmm. And what our program does, it offers a staff mentor who helps these young people stop the drug business so that they can get back into school, get their education under their belt, and we're connected directly with the court which actually can bypass the legal system for the kids that go through this program, the drug arrest gets expunged from their record so they don't carry it around with them forever. Well, that is fantastic. I mean, I'm just, you have so many other services uh, that that you do. Uh, Explain to our listeners what case management is. Um, I think sometimes listeners really are not familiar with how social services uh, do that type of thing. Explain what case management is. Yeah, case management K is pretty much associated with our foster care program. So we hire a talented young people with bachelor's degrees who really want to help young children. And each of these uh, uh, staff members gets assigned 
about 20 to 22 children who are in foster care. And their job is to make sure that these the needs of these children are met while they live in foster homes. Their job is to work with the biological families of these children to see if there's any chance some reconciliation can happen. Uh, their job is to assure that these kids get medical attention that's necessary, get the books for school. And so they're literally sort of managing they're managing the cases of 20 or 22 children in foster care, uh, and that's what they do for a living. So mm-hmm. that's where the concept case management comes from. And they have to be very detail-oriented when very. they're dealing with those many, many details that the families will ask questions about, will need resources. Sometimes people just don't really understand all of the details that go into a job like that. Yeah, I'll give you an example that's kind of interesting. So we have children that move from one foster family to another, and oftentimes they have no suitcases. They just use a black garbage bag to take their stuff from one place to another. So we had some volunteers show up one day uh, and brought us some suitcases. Uh, My grandson, Jacob, uh, just collected enough money to get 19 uh, suitcases uh, for kids in foster care so they won't have to use garbage bags. That's kind of cool. Wow. So we have less than two minutes left, and you just said volunteers. You do have opportunities for people to volunteer and, of course, support you. Uh, just share quickly a little bit about how they could do that. Uh, we, we're an agency that depends on charitable donations, and so they can volunteer wonderfully by giving us a donation. They can also come to help us do work projects. So we have people come in groups to help us do yard work, to clean up the place, to rake leaves, to cut bushes, to sweep the parking lot, even stripe the parking lot sometimes. Uh, Sometimes we have work groups that come and help us paint an entire uh, room or maybe multiple rooms in our organization, which saves us the expense money of doing that. So those kinds of things are always available. If volunteers want to call us at 314-534-9350. And uh, that's here in St. Louis. And there is, uh, uh, we'll put on our uh, website some of the hotlines for national uh, ministries because we're out of time to to share those. But uh, we know that our listeners around the country are going to also want to know who to call, and there are some national hotlines for, for this type of uh, service. Uh, again, my guest has been Greg Ischel. He is the CEO of Family Resource Center, and uh, it's been uh, educational for me, and I hope it's been educational for our listeners. Uh, learn more about Family Shield Ministries at www.familyshieldministries.com. Uh, Learn more about Family Resource Center on their website at www.frcmo.org. Again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield Ministries. We're glad you're listening, and uh, we hope that you tune in again next week. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.